Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, dear foodie friends, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I'm so glad you're joining me in my kitchen today. And Chef Jamie Larita, our co-host, is in his kitchen. Well, today you are going to love our guest, Danielle Hrenov, and she has a new cookbook out called Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook. And I love, Danielle, this introduction where you say, let there be peace within your walls, serenity within your palaces. That is just so beautiful. Welcome to Kitchen Chat. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm curious, what inspired this book and what inspired the title? So Peas, Love, and Carrots is actually the name of my blog and my Instagram account at Peas, Love, and Carrots. And that's really what inspired the book. You know, for four and a half years, I've been sharing dinner recipes every night and glimpses into my life and really connecting with the Peas, Love, and Carrots community. And I really wasn't going to write a cookbook. And, you know, over time, people really just felt like, you know, you can't search for recipes on Instagram and blogs are amazing, but you constantly have to go on and print it off. And, you know, people really wanted a book that they could just have in their kitchen. And so if I was going to write a book, it was going to be an ode to the community that we created. And um, that's really how the book came to be and how the title came to be. And I love that you are providing world cuisine. Uh, Can you tell us about the influences on the international side? Of course. Well, you know, I grew up in New York, in Long Island. My father was born and raised in New York. Um, His father is a Holocaust survivor and Mm. his mother's American. And he grew up like pretty conservative Jewish New Yorker. And my mother, though, was actually born in Morocco and um, raised in Paris and came to New York as a young adult. And I grew up with like a re- in a really multicultural food home where my mother served so much of her traditional Moroccan cuisine, but also really incorporated my father's New York American Ashkenazi Jewish food that he loved into our diets. And then um, 13 years ago, you know, I, my husband and I picked up and we left and moved to Israel. Um, which is, you know, just another melting pot of food <laughs> cultures, which have yes. influenced my cooking. And all of those cultures combined have really made up my home and my dinners and what I cook. And all of that is reflected in the book. I love the um, the photographs. And is purple your favorite color? <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay. I just had a feeling. Um, so I resonate with, I grew up in New York and was born in Long Island as well. What part of Long Island? The five towns. Okay. So do you have brothers? Where did you grow up? Wantua. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have two younger brothers. Oh, okay. So um, the colorful uh, photographs that are in your book are amazing. Do you have your hand Thank in that? You. Yeah. So, you know, because I have my own blog and my own 
Instagram and was really doing all my own styling and pictures, I really did develop my own style and obviously handing over the food styling and prop styling reins and photography is like a really big deal for somebody that's been doing that for themselves for four years. Um, so I worked really hard to assemble a team of food stylists, prop stylists, photographer that um, I really trusted and that really understood my vision and understood what I wanted because, you know, I really wanted my hands in the food styling, my hands in the prop styling, my hands in the photography. And the only way to really be everywhere at once is to really delegate responsibility to people you trust so that you can, you know, float around the studio. Um, and um, my team really got it. My food stylist was amazing, prop stylist amazing, photographer amazing, and they really were able to execute my style, which is really, you know, white and bright and clean, but with, you know, a lot of natural, beautiful colors. And, you know, because I have this Moroccan heritage and I definitely lean towards like antique, you know, pieces with a lot of patina and things, you know, like pieces like that. I love um, it. But I still wanted it modern and clean. Yes, it really resonates, all of that. It's beautiful. Oh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Is. And I love that um, you put this in the, the foreword. It is just beautiful. My hope is that my words and recipes here bring us together around the table and open the lines of communication with our friends and family. And that's so especially important right now. How how are you it and your is. family doing? Thank God, you know, we're good here. I think it's been a crazy year for everybody, you know, um, whether you lost someone personally or you know someone that lost someone, so many people were affected. Or you, maybe you didn't lose somebody, but maybe you lost your job or maybe you lost more than your job, your home or, you know, who knows what. So many people were affected by COVID and um you know, at the end of the day, we all need to eat and food just feels like a really neutral, safe space for us all to come together in. And that feels like the best place to communicate with each yes. other. When yes. we, you know, when we let our guards down to eat some good food. <laughs> yeah, no, it seems that it seems that this situation has forced a lot of people into the kitchen and I'm getting an overwhelming sense that these people that have never really cooked before are actually finding their way around the kitchen and finding the joy in cooking. So that's one bright spot in all of this darkness. It really is wonderful. You know, our lives got so fast paced. And the truth is I live in Israel where the takeout food culture is really very minimal here because food costs are actually a little bit higher than they are in the States. So eating out is a bit more of a luxury. But, you know, even with that, you know, how often did we take dinner to go or do we eat dinner quickly standing over a counter while doing a million things at once? And this sort of forced us to slow down and cook the food. And then it's so funny because actually the trend that I noticed on my blog was, you know, the first two weeks or three weeks, everybody was really going for the fast, easy, quick recipes. And then once they were fatigued from cooking, all of a sudden it was the more involved labor intensive recipes that were getting the attention. And, you know, I would have thought it was the opposite. I would have thought a month into quarantine, people would want the quick and easy recipes. But really what was happening was that they were realizing that if they wanted to cook really good, delicious food that, you know, maybe took a little more time, they actually had to do it themselves. So all of a sudden, those recipes were making a huge comeback. Well, they were missing <laughs> restaurant food, right? Yes. So they were like, yeah, enough about, you know, making do it with what I have in the pantry. I want to go to a restaurant within my home. 
Right. Like, they were really, you know, utilizing recipes that, you know, maybe cook for a longer time or use more ingredients and really build and develop flavor in their dishes. And speaking of flavor, you really bring it on in the peas, love and carrots. <laughs> I love the photos, first of all, and the spicy Thank dips. You. Can you share with us about <laughs> lemon jalapeno gremolato, uh, gremolata, and harissa and all of these flavors that go into your dishes? So, you know, Moroccan food is pretty spicy <laughs> a lot of the time and I do have an affinity for you know really like I, it says in the introduction of the spicy dips you know I, I'm like pretty much a minimalist except that I collect glass jars mustards and hot sauces like <laughs> those are the things I have in abundance in my home um, and spicy dips is just something that's a staple in my fridge and it's very traditional to Moroccan cooking different types of you know, schugs and harissas and, um, you know, like some of them have herbs, some of them don't have herbs, some of them have roasted garlic, some of them have raw garlic, some of them use dried peppers, some of them use fresh peppers, and they all have different flavors and they all have a purpose. And um, I love that, but it's very traditional in a Moroccan home to have lots of little salads and little dips and things like that in your fridge all the time. And, you know, this way, anytime you have a guest or you need to throw together a meal, that's sort of always on the table. You can serve grilled chicken and grilled meat and throw the dips on the table. You can serve eggs and tuna and throw the dips on the table. You know, it kind of just goes with whatever you're serving. Now, you mentioned a word I've never heard of. What is shug? Is that what you called it? Oh, shug. Yeah, shug is a... Um, it's basically like just a jalapeno puree, I guess, a mm. spicy puree. Um, and there's, you know, slugs from Morocco. There's Yemenite slugs, Lebanese slugs. Um, they all have like slightly different flavor profiles. Let's say they'll use different herbs or different spices or, you know, um, maybe one has garlic and one doesn't. Um, things like that and it's that's something that it can actually stay in your fridge for so long it's you know you make one batch and you can eat it all the time it's delicious wow jamie this is making me hungry <laughs> yeah you know it's funny Margaret. this morning i was going over i have a spice collection that's literally on display in my home and i'm looking at you know all of the spices and the life of spices can you talk a little bit about like you know, I noticed that in Moroccan cuisine, and I know in uh, Israel, you guys use a lot of different spices. How long typically do you keep a spice before you have to change it out? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I love that question. Um, and this is something I talk a lot about with my community um, because there's this misconception that spices last forever. So there are certain spices. Let's say you buy whole nutmeg. A whole nutmeg can sit in your pantry for years. It's fine because it hasn't been ground or anything. But the truth is that they lose their potency over time and they become less flavorful and almost a little bit dull. Um, right. So what I do is I actually have, you know, this is only something you know by cooking, right? The more you cook, the better you get at it. The more you learn your kitchen, you know your needs, things like that. My spices are all in different size jars. I don't understand uniform jar spices because some spices like, you know, Moroccan paprika in oil, I go through so quickly. So I need a jar that's four times the size as my mustard powder spice, a jar, because I only want to go and refill all my spices one time. I don't want right. to be going to the spice store every week. Um, 
but I really try to buy enough spices to last me about a month. And then I go and replace them. I would say every like four to six weeks. That's how I use my spices. And then of course, different spices have different shelf life. So let's say Moroccan paprika in oil, which is paprika that's, you know, um, stored in oil actually doesn't have as long of a shelf life as regular paprika because it's not dry. It's, you know, it's a little bit moist. Um, but you don't want to buy bulk spices. Bulk spices right. don't serve your needs mm. because that's the best thing about spices. It's it's such an easy, it's a cheat almost. It's just like a way to add so much flavor to your food with such minimal effort. And, you know, you're sort of like messing yourself over by buying them in bulk because they're just and not see, as good four months later. Right. And the color goes and it sees like your 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 colors, uh, your color palette in your book is very vibrant. And spices Thank lose you. not only their flavor, but also their hue. And I actually True. had I'd like to know what you think about this. I actually had a, a chef friend of mine that used to take all of their old spices and coffee grounds and mix them together and put them back into the garden. What do you think huh. about that? Uh, well, I, I know that coffee yeah. grounds make really good, like, fertilizer. Like, they're really good for soil. I did not know that about spices. Well, this That's is so something, someone that had a beautiful, very colorful garden. <laughs> and I said, how do you keep the garden so vibrant? She said, oh, I throw all my old spices and coffee grounds into the ground. I was wow. like, mm, I never heard of that. I'm, I hear it. Most spices are like a dried vegetable or a dried seed of some sort. So they're probably right. filled with a lot of nutrients. It, it makes right. sense. Putting it, put it right, putting it right back into nature. Yes. And speaking of spices, I assume you have to go shopping for those. Can you take us on a tour of shopping for the oh, spices? Yes. So I'm very lucky. I live eight minutes from the Machina Yehuda Shuk. Um, a shuk is an open air market. Uh, there's uh, many of them all throughout Israel. Most cities have their own version of a shuk. And what it is, is it's like two to three very long parallel blocks um, with open stalls. And each stall is its own vendor. And the vendors usually sell one item. So one vendor will sell watermelons. One vendor will sell, you know, herbs. One vendor will sell uh, basic produce, potatoes, carrots, celery, onion. Um, one vendor will sell meat, will sell fish, you know, things like that. And of course, vendors will sell spices. And it's really, really amazing to shop there. First of all, you're supporting local small businesses. And second of all, you're going right to the source a lot of the time. So like where I go to buy my spices, most like the turmeric I buy is freshly ground turmeric. Wow. My cinnamon is freshly ground cinnamon. Um, wow. When I bring people to the Shook, actually, the first thing I do is bring them to smell the cinnamon because it doesn't smell like anything you buy in a grocery store that comes out of a bottle. It's mm. almost floral in its scent. Um, and it's wow. delicious and wonderful. And the spices are amazing. And, you know, her zatar, which is such a popular blend right now, um, her zatar is a house blend. It's something they make on their own. And it's like happens to be the best zatar in the world. But, you know, and this isn't a thing that they started doing 10 years ago. This is a tradition that was passed down from their great grandparents. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, and it's really incredible. I mean, Margaret, think about all the colors and flavors in that world. And I know that it's just like, see, isn't food like, I mean, all, just the way you're talking about the scents and the florals just gives me goosebumps. It's like, that's what food does. 
especially like really, really fresh spices, it's just like it dances on your palate. Wow. Is there anything equivalent to that experience there here in the United States? I don't think I've seen it in the U.S. I was fortunate enough to travel with a lot of musicians all over the world. And I wound up in Israel actually with Madonna on her tour. And there's just something about like, you know, even spices change. They may be the same um, varietal, but um, they change around the world. They're not the same. I mean, the ground is different. The climate is different. The people are different. Everything changes when you're somewhere different. But um, it's just exciting to see uh, in this cookbook you know, you're taking people there, right there. I mean, I'm, I'm only looking at a few pictures and I already can taste the flavors and I could see your passion for color and it's just really alive. Thank you. Thank oh, you so much. It looks great. And Jamie, I now have a bucket list item is to go to Israel and visit Ashok. Well, I love the different flavors and and ingredients I haven't really heard of. I, I thought in one of them it looked like Hawaii beef, but then I looked again and it's like, no, that's not Hawaii. <laughs> what? Can you tell us about this recipe? Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii is a Yemenite spice blend, um, and it's absolutely delicious. And it's, I would say it's like the Yemenite version of like Baharat, um, of like Moroccan Baharat. It's just for some reason lesser known, but it's really delicious. It's, it has almost a little bit more of an acidic flavor to it than Baharat um, or Raz El Hanout, but it's really, really, really delicious. And it happens to be wonderful with lamb and beef. Mm. And it's amazing. It has a lot of earthy tones, citrusy tones, and it's really, really good. So, Danielle, you're making me hungry. I know. (laughs) I I haven't had lunch. This is ridiculous. Oh, no. (laughs) And I'm curious, Danielle, recently I've had to go on a plant-based journey. What are some of your favorite uh, plant-based recipes in the book? So, like, plant-based meaning no fish, even? No fish, even. Really just focusing on vegetables right now. I know it's so difficult. So, actually... First of all, like if I was plant based, the first thing I would do is I would make a vegetable stock and like load up my freezer with vegetable stock because I feel like stock is the basis of so many things. And if you have a really rich, fortified vegetable stock, you're like already halfway there. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the soups, like the miso vegetable soup, if you do that with a really great um, vegetable stock, like you're good to go. A lot of the salads the roasted sweet potato and apple and leek soup, a lot of the roasted vegetables, a lot of the side dishes are, I mean, all of the side dishes are plant-based really. Um, The Moroccan couscous with seven vegetables, like the bone is optional. I would just leave that out. Um, Wait, no eggs? Eggs or no eggs? Uh, Well, it depends on the day. (laughs) So on, on, on an egg day, I would say shakshuka is a great idea. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, the spicy vegetable lentil soup is a really good one. Um, yeah, that's like it's actually a really unexpected one. I love lentils. The black bean crumble salad is so delicious. (laughs) I love the black bean crumble. I think it's like the best part of a black bean burger, only it takes two seconds to make and it's crispier, so it's more delicious. I need to try this. Yes. 
This sounds delicious, truly. I, I'm curious, too, because you, you're talking about your mother being from Morocco. Um, what are some of the you, you, the roles of women in traditional Moroccan homes? So I actually grew up in a traditional Moroccan home in that sense. Um, you know, my mother really spent, my mother really raised me and my brothers. I mean, my father is like, I, me and my father are very close. I loved him a lot. But, you know, he left to work every morning at 7 a.m. and he came home at 7, 8 p.m. And my mother really spent a lot of time in the kitchen and taught me to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And I, but it wasn't seen as a burden. She looked at it as a privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't, and my father didn't look at it as, you know, something she was obligated to do. He was proud that she was doing it and grateful and thankful to her that she was doing it. And, you know, my mother always says, there's a quote in Moroccan Arabic, if you make your husband a king, then you're a queen. And, and it's true. And my mother treats my father like a king and my father treats her like a queen and their roles are different, but equal. Um, they're respected and equally for what they do for our family. And my mother is proud of her role and my father is proud of his. And of course that doesn't work for every family or every home, but it really worked in the home I grew up in. And I grew up looking forward to being able to cook for my own children one day. And, uh, and obviously I do enjoy it. (laughs) Margaret, are you the queen in your kitchen? (laughs) I knew you were going to ask that. (laughs) I'm the queen of carry out, (laughs) but still make him feel like a king. So, Uh well, I guess I'm the king and the queen in my kitchen. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I think it just comes down to respect. Yes. You know, if you, if you respect anybody for what, well, you should respect everybody, but if you respect anybody for what they're doing in this world, then it doesn't matter what the job is because it's not lesser or greater. It's just different and it's all necessary to make the world function. Absolutely. You are, you are, you are awesome. I'm so glad that we're having this kitchen chat. These photos, I just turned to the page with strawberries and cream bread pudding, and I see tiny little oh. toes and a little hand <laughs> reaching out. Can you tell us about, I guess there's some children. Yes. Um, I have seven children, thank God. And wow. that's my baby. She's very cute. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you guys something very funny because I think you could appreciate that. We call our kids by their Jewish name. So her Jewish name is Elisheva, um, which means the seventh from God. Aww. So her name is Elisheva Tova. And Tova means good. So she's the seventh from God and she's good, um, which she is. She's both of those things. And um, but we, you know, we put English names on all of our kids' passports and things like that. And we were trying to think of an English name, you know, and it's very normal to choose an English name that sort of coincides. Right. So like, um, you know, my son is Mayor. He's Michael in English. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't, you know, her name. So Elisheva Tova, E.T. So we're like, OK, Elisheva has to be Elizabeth. It's like a natural, you know association Mm -hmm. and then we were trying to think of a girl's name that starts with a t so so her (laughs) it it wasn't on purpose but it did occur to us (laughs) once we went in for the application her name is actually elizabeth taylor oh no way (laughs) i love that so she will be a queen in the kitchen for sure. Yeah. Well, we 
went in to apply for her passport, the guy looks down at the paper, and this is like, you know, a guy doing bureaucratic paperwork. Like, he doesn't look up. He doesn't look you in the eye. His job is boring. Like, he's just sitting there day after day stamping these papers. He literally looked up, looked us in the eye, and just started hysterical laughing. He was like, I'm so happy I come to work today. <laughs> Wow. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. wow. And the fact you have seven children. Wow. And are they involved in the cooking? Yeah, because you know what? In Israel, kids come home at two o'clock from school, which mm. sounds like a crazy thing to deal with, but it's not. It's wonderful, actually, because like they're more independent. They have more time for after school activities. So they're very um, like evolved here. They do a lot, a lot of activities, um, physical activities, art activities, um, things like that. And like sort of the activities are kept cheaper because everybody needs to keep their kids busy. So it's a really, really wonderful thing, like a lot of extracurriculars. And um, because they're home so much, they're such a part of my cooking. And, you know, when I started this blog, I said I wasn't going to have two separate lives, right? There can't be work Danielle and mom Danielle. I'm just Danielle. I am who I am. So I can't separate the two. And they're amazing. Like, first of all, they're my best line of defense because they're my first taste testers. So, you know, if six people don't like something or seven people don't like something, it's not good. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but, you know, if three out of three people like something, then it's like, okay, well, what went wrong here? How can we make this more universal? Um, you know, and then some like spicy and some don't and some like tomatoes and some don't. So it's just like they're a really good, you know, um, poll, polling group, I guess. Well, you know, and... they're fortunate to have you as a mom. I'm one of 11. And what? Yeah, one of <laughs> one of 11. And my mom yeah. got to the point where it was like, if you don't like it, you don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we have those moments. We, we call those cereal and milk nights. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's people yeah. don't like that. But it yeah, we, we would have we would have pizza night on those nights because we all liked pizza. Oh. oh, well, that's really nice of your mom, actually. Yes. Very nice. Oh, well, this has just been so enlightening, Danielle. And I always love uh, for us to end the show with three top tips for the home chef. And I know that you list 86 things, including tips on uh, <laughs> page 10. But what would you say the top three tips for the home chef might be? So I think the first one is, is that even the best cooks have to start somewhere. And I don't think you should ever be discouraged in the kitchen because the reality is, is that you don't need to go to culinary school to learn how to make yourself a nutritious, delicious dinner. You just need to keep doing it. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. And um, don't be discouraged. Like I make dishes all the time that don't work out. And we all do. And we all burn things and we all oversalt something sometimes. And we, you know, burn the rice or whatever. It happens to everybody. So just don't be discouraged. Just keep going. Um, that's Great my tip. number one tip. That's a good my one. number two tip, I guess, is um, the quality of your ingredients do matter. You know, <laughs> everything you're putting into your food is going to affect the final product of your food. So, you know, if you're using strawberries in January, your dish is not going to be as delicious as when you use the strawberries in the summer. Right. Um, so I would say, you know, 
like go to your local farmers, go to your, you know, farm stands, go to the source, try to cook seasonally, try to cook sustainably. And, um, you know, I think you'll a produce better food and B you'll be kinder to the environment. So that will just, you know, that's nice. We appreciate that. Um, and I guess the last thing is for the home book, taste your food. It's so basic, but taste your food throughout the cooking process. That's your bet. That's a great tip. Yes. It's not, we're not baking here. So it's not a science. And, you know, if you taste the food in the middle and it doesn't taste salty enough, you can add more salt. Or if it needs more acidity, add, but that's also another thing I would say. A lot of times you think things need more salt, but really they're missing acidity. And I feel like acidity is really overlooked in hmm. home cooking. And I like there, you should have a stockpile of vinegars. They don't go bad. Keep them in your cabinet and keep different vinegars and use them and citruses and wines. And don't throw out the last few drops of the leftover bottle of wine. Save it and add it to your food tomorrow night when you're cooking. That is wow. one of my favorite tips that I've ever heard on Kitchen Chat. You're so right. People overlook and don't and underappreciate what, how an acid could like level out the flavor in a food. A hundred percent. That's actually a really big tip right there that I think you need to expand on. Oh, um, yes. so I happen to be like, I like very big and very bold flavors. Um, it, it's like very Moroccan. Most Moroccan food is big and bold flavors, but I think a lot of times people try to achieve bold flavors, but they don't know how to do it. So they'll add more salt or they'll add more paprika or they'll add more mustard or something like that. Well, mustard's a, a tricky one because that is acidic, but or they'll, whatever, they'll add more of whatever ingredient is already in the dish when they don't realize if they just take two seconds to squeeze a drop of fresh lemon over exactly. that dish. Exactly. All of a sudden, all those little lemons that you already added are going to pop. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And I think like one of the number one questions I get is, you know, for people that don't drink alcohol, well, what do I use instead of wine? And there's always an option. That's why like you really have to have a range of vinegars, you know, Hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, you can always replace half a cup of wine with a tablespoon or, you know, a few teaspoons of of vinegar. And you can, you know, you maybe don't want to add lemon to everything. That's fine. I personally am a huge lemon fan, but, you know, Um, but also like there's unexpected acidity. And mixing acidities, by the way, is really nice. Like add lemon and vinegar, oh, add yes. lime and mustard, add tomatoes. You and I are oh. you and I are you and I are bonding <laughs> on many levels right now. <laughs> it's, oh. it's food. It's the natural it, connector. It sure yes. is. And it's time for us to all go to the Shook together. I can't wait. One of these days, this is going to yes, be great. Yes, when all of this is over, you need to take a trip to Jerusalem, and I will bring you to my spice shop. That oh my would goodness. be amazing. Jamie, let's do that. But meanwhile, Fantasy trip. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, Danielle, thank you so much for being on Kitchen Chat. This has been so much fun, hasn't it, Jamie? Wow. Oh, always are. Oh, every, every time we have a Kitchen Chat, Danielle, I always say after we finish the Kitchen Chat, I think that was my favorite Kitchen Chat. <laughs> I'm going to say that today. 
But I say it thank every time. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And so nice to meet the two of you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. And thank you, dear foodie friends, for joining the fun here on Kitchen Chat. We'll make sure that we have links to Danielle's new book, Peas, Love, and Carrots, and also to her Instagram account. And always remember to take a moment and savor the day. Thanks for joining Margaret for Kitchen Chat today. Margaret would be so excited for you to drop by and visit with her at kitchenchat.info, where you'll enjoy podcasts, blogs, recipes, tips from chefs, and even great giveaways. She invites you to share your recipes and kitchen stories, too. As Margaret always says, savor the day.